Peak Performance Plus presents the Summit Club Podcast, your business roundtable discussion for sales and business leaders with your host, Bill Stats. Hi, and welcome to the Summit Club, a business roundtable. I'm your host, Bill Stats, and I'm with our Summit Club team, Rick Feinblatt. Hi, Rick. Hello, Bill. John Thane. Hi, JT. Good day, gentlemen. And John Navickas. Hi, John. How's everybody this morning? Everybody's good. It's wonderful. It's a Friday. As we typically do, our conversation is around a current business subject, uh, a book of some significance, or an interview with a guest contributor. Today, we're going to be discussing the topic of sales forecasting, and hopefully it's relevant to you and your world of business success. So, Sherpa team, let's get started on our climb to the summit with this episode around the topic of forecasting. Okay, let's start out with a definition of, of sales forecasting. I would encourage everyone um, just to try to stay awake during this because this is really important <laughs> stuff and it can help your business even though you may think it cannot. So a sales forecast, what is it? Well, a sales forecast is a prediction of future sales revenue. Sales forecasts are usually based on historical data, industry trends, and the status of the current sales pipeline. Businesses use the sales forecast to estimate weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annual sales uh, totals. Simple. It sounds like you're doing a commercial. I am doing a commercial, Bill. (laughs) It's that radio voice. Yeah, it's that radio voice. So, just be aware that sales forecasting is not goal issues specifically. Um, What it is, if you just think about a goal as a target, Sales forecasting is a tool you use to figure out milestones or markers, if you will, working toward your goal and see where you are. Are you going to get to the goal? Is it going to take you longer or shorter than you thought? Maybe not at all. Maybe exceed the goal. All those questions, the answers are significant business information. And without it, really hard to effectively run your business. Well, here's a question. Uh, What's the difference between setting up this forecasting sheet versus doing a profit loss budget for your company? Because wouldn't that be the same thing? Like you, you say, this is what I'm spending. This is what I'm planning on to bring in. There's my answer. How does how does how does that how does that compare to <laughs> We're all the looking forecast? At yeah, no, well, Anybody? Whoa. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Look, a, a budget is is something that's done annually, uh, different times of the year for different companies, and that uh, basically says, okay, so this is how much we we want to make this this year. This is what we made last year. So uh, there, there's a revenue portion of it. There's an expensive expense portion of it, mm-hmm. and, and the net is what you're going to make, mm-hmm. uh, and that's your budget for the year. The, the forecast really predicts how you're doing on the revenue side throughout the year. So if, if you're forecasting, uh, you know, a better than expected quarter, maybe that means you could spend a little bit more money to make the business more profitable. Uh, if you're forecasting you're going to make less, maybe there's some expenses you need to cut so that you can uh, ultimately hit your budget your annual budget for the year. Got it. So one is just revenue uh, and, a, and a budget is revenue, expense, and net profit. Now, I would suggest your question relates more to perception, I think, because a profit and loss statement is really looking backward. It's looking at results, and you're going to create 
the profit and loss state. What we're talking about is looking forward. And I think what is going to happen and what's our best estimate of the results that were And also, against. we should probably, and this is probably a separate podcast, is discussing the difference between budgeting and forecasting. I think our concentration here is really forecasting on the revenue or the sales side of the business. And with that in mind, you know, one of the things we addressed right up at the top with you, Bill, was the difference between sales forecasting and sales goal setting. A sales manager, a leader of that sales department, probably always wants to have stretch goals in there for their salespeople. They want to really set the bar a little bit higher in terms of performance and results. And, and guess what? The salesperson may do that themselves. And that's why a, a sales goal and a sales forecast are going to be different numbers. Forecast has to be based more in reality. Everybody's not going to reach a stretch goal. Some are going to come in, some are going to come below. So that's where having a, a sales forecast becomes critical because that's what you can then base your budgeting on throughout the company. In terms of that then, what do you do if your business is in more of a volatile environment? What if your company has an ambulance service? You don't know how many people are going to get hurt during any period of time. What if you have a snow collection service? You don't know if it's going to snow next week. You can't take that as, as gospel anymore. You have to do some research and see what the sales forecast is based on the weather. If you're in the snow removal business, mm -hmm. may, I don't know if you're going to be using the farmer's almanac, but right. there's resources that you could use that'll give you an indication, just like Rick might be doing a forecast selling radio advertising. And if he does some research, he's going to know that XYZ companies opening three new locations in the next 60 or 90 days and they're going to want to bang the media to let everybody know they've yeah. opened. So that's the kind of data you have to you have to extrapolate really out there in the future. It's a best guess. I mean, it's you can't right, Rick, it's yeah. not a guarantee. Well, if, you, if you had a snow removal company, you mm -hmm. could look back historically and go, okay, this is how much it snows in Philadelphia. This is what our budget so you can create a budget from that. So based on that, this is what uh, you know. How much revenue we can think we can generate this year based on historical data? Uh, this is how many people I'll need. Do I have to buy more files? All that. You get to a year like this where it's not right. snowing. Your forecast is going to say we're not going to generate that kind of revenue because the, the short-term information I have says there's no snow. So if you've hired more drivers, if you bought more equipment, you could be in a big rock fall, yeah, whatever, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so a, a forecast is, as John said, it's more short term. I mean, it can, you can forecast for the year if you want, but most companies, you know, we used to short uh, forecast weekly for the current month and the next two months coming up. So and both you, examples you brought up are really justification for why you need to forecast. So if you are in a, in a volatile environment business, this forecasting actually might make it less volatile for you. Because you have an, an idea, at least, of what might be coming down the pike. Yeah. I mean, the people that go, well, it's, it's, it's just a prediction, right? Yeah, it's just a prediction. Well, we don't need that. It's like, the, you, right. no, you do. You, you really do. Okay. It can only help your business. Think yeah. about, we're not accountants. Well, John is. Well, I am on the side, Bill, but I don't. JT is. But think about if you're running a business, you've got to figure out what your cash requirements are. And wouldn't it be important to know how my revenue forecast relates to my cash requirements because 
if my revenue doesn't match up to the cash I need, I better have a revolver or a credit line or something or I'm not going to keep the business going. And that's yeah. what the reality of this, this is important. Yeah. You know, Bill, that's a perfect segue into, I think, talking about what are the requirements of an accurate sales forecast. You know, obviously, there's going to be those factors that you can't control, mm -hmm. and there has to be some flexibility in your forecast to account for those. With that being said, one of the most important things that you can control and understand is understanding your sales process. You know, what, you know, what, what is the, the, the sales process you go through? How long does it take you to prospect for the customer, get the customer, make the presentation, close the sale? Every business has a cycle. In some cases, the cycle can be a year. Others, it could be a day. So you have to understand what your sales cycle is and the steps that need to be taken and the amount of time that takes in order to close the deal. That's going to be the first step in building an accurate sales forecast. Secondly, you have to understand your sales goals and quotas. Uh, your forecast is going to be different than your goals. You always want to challenge your sales team, your marketing team, to hit numbers that would, would be a best case scenario. That's not what your budget's about. Your budget should be a realistic scenario, knowing that not everybody's going to hit a stretch goal. Some people are going to fall short. You know, things in the, in, in the whole process could change. So, you know, goals, quotas, and forecasts, you have to understand the difference. So the forecast, for many of the listeners, is more of a reality check. It's not necessarily having anything to do with setting the goals. It's really letting you know your chances of hitting that goal. Here's exactly. where here's the caveat. If you're for, for you may have to revise your goals based on the forecast. I mean that the, that's the reality again in that you know here here we are the four of us are in business and we're thinking you know we really ought to bring on a new salesperson or whatever well how are you going to decide when to do that if you're not forecasting against your goals how are you going to figure out you well maybe the time we should do it is in the spring and it's now going to be march and what are we doing who's recruiting we're not so it, there's all kinds of really good business decisions that like trickle down and it's not just in a volatile market, it's in any any market yeah. to help you make better decisions. Yeah. By, by the way, we don't call it that. We all do it in our personal lives. If you go home today and your wife goes, hey, I want to buy a, we should buy, move and buy a bigger home. Well, you got to sit down and go, okay, if she's working, okay, what is she making? What are the prospects of my business? Am I going to be able to afford it? That's basically just doing a forecast. What's the mortgage rate? Yeah, right. what to see the whether or not you, you can do that. So we, we, it's Great just point. a natural thing we do. Great point. And, and I guess that is a perfect lead in. Thanks, guys. You keep teeing me up over here. But, you know, what, we what, know you what, need the help. Yeah, <laughs> believe me. <laughs> it should be obvious to everybody uh, there. But, you know, what's the, what, what, are the, what's, what are the benchmarks or the basic uh, metrics that you need uh, to build this, this forecast? You know, I, we mentioned the sales cycle a little earlier. Well, you got to understand what your sales cycle is. You know, how long does it take to a for a customer to express interest? Or how long does it take you to prospect to get that customer interested? How long does it take to close the sale? What's the average price of the deal? You know, once that's done, how long does it 
take to manufacture the product or deliver the service? Are there renewals involved? Is it an ongoing sale or a one-time sale? These are all critical bits of information that you have control of. You should know these, and if you don't know these, you should really sit down and make these hard and fast metrics that you use in order to make a, an accurate sales forecast. Most salespeople, uh, you ask for a forecast, surprise, surprise, over forecast. They overestimate what they what they think they can, they can do. Like if you're, you know, get the sales manager off their back and all those kinds of things. So if, if there, are, there are a lot of common uh, uh, methods, and, and I think the best method is a combination of all the ones we're going to talk about. But if you're just going to say to your salespeople, uh, hey, what are you going to build next month? And you're going to take that number to, to bank, uh, you're, you're not going to have an accurate forecast. <laughs> it's not going to work out well. No. Okay. The bank Absolutely. will be coming to you. <laughs> yeah, no. At, at one point when uh, Bill and I worked together, I created a little... Uh, uh, incentive, not a lot of money, but maybe it's like $500 a month for salespeople. And what I said to them is if you're in 5%, uh, if your forecast is of five, in 5% of what you actually do at the end of the month, uh, you get 500 bucks at the end of the month. And one of them said to me, well, wait a minute, so which is better then for me to be 10% 10, 10 over my budget or like 5% under uh, with the forecast? And I said, for this exercise, 5% under. And it, it was amazing how much better everybody's forecasting yep. got because they were paying attention. You know, it also gives them an opportunity uh, to talk to your clients. I mean, if, if you know you can make some money doing something, talk to your, hey, what are your plans uh, for the next couple of months? It's, it's another, you don't have to say that we're do, I'm doing a forecast, but you, you stay in touch with your clients, you get an idea of what they're going to do, what, what, if anything, they're planning. That's, you know, clients that, uh, you know, you have a relationship with. And, uh, you know, new clients just, just come into the pipeline. I'd walk down the hall of Rick's office and come in and sit in the chair, and he'd say, so guess what that idiot told me? Yeah. And it's like, what? And it's like, I can't, he doesn't even want to talk to his customers, or she hasn't, yeah. it's, this isn't that hard. you got to yeah. put a forecast together. Talk to your customers. Yeah. Talk to your prospects. And, and by the way, the, the first time, uh, and it happens, happens to all of us, when you say to a sales staff, okay, I'm going to, that hasn't ever done forecasting, I'm going to need you to start doing forecasting. Mm -hmm. more, than, more than not, they're going to say to you, well, how do I know what I'm going to bill? It's like, well, here's my problem. Right. <laughs> There's 10 of you. There's somebody who owns this company who's asking me what we're going to do. And, you know, I need your help in trying to figure out what that number is. So if you don't know what you're going to bill, how am I going to know what you're going to bill and your other nine associates? So it, it's it's a it's a you know really really helpful tool. Uh, the, the second thing on there we already sort of alluded to this before is historical data. There's all kinds of historical information. Uh, it doesn't mean it's going to happen again this year, but there's a lot of information based on history that will at least give you some fairly well grounded ideas as to okay, you know, for the last five years every March. This is what happened to our revenue. Mm -hmm. So that needs to be factored in ultimately to try to get an idea of, of you know, a, like a benchmark of where you're going to be. Doesn't mean you're going to do the same thing in March again this year. When we're talking about snow removal. Guess what? Doesn't look like it's going to be like it was last year. But historical information um, is really, really uh, in, important in that regard. If I could make a point there, you know, oftentimes if, if it's a new company, or imagine a company has, has developed a, a new division and they're not necessarily familiar with that, but they feel it's a good extension of their current uh, product line. 
but they don't understand what the what the percentages are of customer retention and reorders and things like that. Well, you can you can still come up with a forecast. You may be totally shooting in the dark, right? But at least if you know what you're trying to do, you can then make adjustments up or down based on what you start to develop as a history. So don't think that if you don't have a history that you shouldn't also have the forecast. It can it, the, the, the forecast is a living document. It's updated on a regular basis based on performance. You know, the other part that was really important as you're saying that, just the exercise, you're going to learn a lot more about your business. I mean, forget that you're worrying about how is it going to be accurate, is it going to be valid, whatever. Guess what? You go through the process, you're going to learn a lot of really important things about your business. Hey, if you're way under, you're going to up it going forward. If you're way over, you're going to lower it going forward. Then it starts to get more accurate. Yeah, when you're talking about uh, volatility before, in the Mm -hmm. radio business, there's all kinds of business that comes in the last minute, you know, respect. So I get a salesperson that say say is off uh, like ten percent of the forecast every month, and when I ask them why, they go, "Well, there's about ten percent of my business every month comes in. I don't know what I don't know who it is or what it's going to be." And then you say to them, "Well, here's a thought: just take whatever that amounts to dollar wise and just forecast ten percent. Put down unknown. I'm I'm okay with that. But what I want to know is what the ultimate revenue number is going to be. It's not quite as important who the individual clients are. I want a number." That, I, that has a lot of credibility to it. So forecast miscellaneous 10%, if that's what happens in your world. If it's 5%, forecast 5%. Now people, if you're out there listening, you're thinking, oh like, crap, now here's a whole bunch of other stuff I gotta do and I don't have time to do what I am currently doing. Technology can be your friend. Uh, 20 years ago, one of the first <laughs> customer relationship management tools was ACT and it was on your little desktop PC, and it was a way where you could enter a lot of the data that we're talking about right now. Uh, prospects, customers, uh, your sales cycle, all kinds of really good information. Well, that has developed into the largest CRM company right now is Salesforce.com, and they are they are bigger than the gorilla. Um, and in between is Oracle and Microsoft, and sales logic and more CRMs, customer relationship management software than you can shake a stick at. And what it does, once you get your head around the fact that opportunities need to go into the software, it then gives you the process where you can set gates to your sale, that sell cycle that John and Rick were talking about a little earlier, with probabilities, so that it's not such a heroic act if you get the data and if your salespeople are putting information in as to their prospects and whatever. You push a button, you pull a pipeline report, and all of a sudden you actually see 30% deals, 50% deals, 75% deals, and you can get a real good handle on what's real and what's imaginary and come up with a reasonable forecast now. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad. No, and assigning probabilities. I mean, if you, lots, lots of times you ask a salesperson, uh, what's their um, average order amount? I don't know. Well, if you've got to bill $100,000 and, you know, say your average order is uh, 10, well, then you got to get 10 more orders, and then you have to look at closing probabilities. How much is in your pipeline? What stage is it in your pipeline? 
And as Bill is saying, you can you can assign probabilities to each one of those. It doesn't mean they're exact, but it'll give you an idea of how many how much work you have to do to get to that goal. Uh, and it, it is better than just certainly winging it, going, oh boy, I got to do a hundred thousand dollars and not have any information or any idea of you know what probability you could assign to each one of the goals you are, um, and what's your closing ratio, what's your average order size. I mean. Simple things like that. Once you figure it out, you know what it is. You know, the interesting thing, too, is to we're getting near the close of the, of the podcast. Rick's point now when you talk about average unit of sale, closing percentage, and, and good qualitative information like that, that goes back to goal setting. If you're going to set a goal and you reverse engineer it based on your closing percentage and your average deal, you may find out your goal is totally impossible. There's no way that you're going to have 72 opportunities in a week or whatever just by reverse engineering around those statistics in your business. So not only do you get a good forecast, you also get great feedback to go back and the next time you set a goal, make sure or revise your goals to something that's realistic. Now one thing I think we should bring up here uh, before we conclude is you know, what are, what are the common factors that occur that impact your sales forecast? I know we've hit on, on, you know, different things that we have to look at, whether it's the pipeline, the sales cycle, and so forth. But, you know, there's other things you have to take into consideration. First, is your product and service still relevant? You know, what's the competitive landscape? Darts, yeah. buggy whips. Yeah. I mean, do you, is there a new competitor on the scene? or a competitor that now has a new innovative product that can affect your particular product or service. So it's more your, how does your business plan evolve into your forecast and all the rest of this? Can't do this with blinders on, you know? What's the overall economy? These are all factors that can you know, hugely the, affect. I just heard something. Did you hear that? I, that sounds like our, our mailbag. Wow. I thought I just heard that. Hey, we've got a note out of the mailbag. Uh, Jessica from Yardley, PA. I just listened to episode 10, which is managed to managing for first-time managers. And I've recently been promoted to a manager position to oversee 30 people. What's the best way for me to introduce myself to everyone as their new boss? Oh, baby. What do you think, guys, before we close the, the mic off today? Probably a little more than, hi, I'm Jessica, I'm new, your new boss. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like episode 10, which goes into greater detail, would be excellent for Jessica to listen to. Yeah, I think, you know, the things we don't really know to, that can color the response are, is she a part of the team has she, or is she from outside the organization? And, uh, you know, what's the character of the 30 people, meaning are they hourly people, that they work shift work, whatever, you know, to try to get your head around the relationship you're going to have with the new people that report to you. It seems to me from the question, and again, I don't know Jessica or anything, but it sounds like she's been promoted. Let's assume that she's inside and she just knows these people and it's just one of these situations of, all right, I'm your boss now. How you doing? Yeah, that makes it worse for her. But yeah, that's okay. You know? yeah. yeah. Well, how does that change relationships? How does it change yeah, interactions? It does. And why was she promoted? What? Who was the incumbent that's no longer there, or is it a new position? 
because you know there's a lot of positives that could be around this situation where people have been looking for a leader and there isn't one or there's a bad one so you know it might not be as difficult as she's imagining to let people know I'm here to make sure we're more successful everybody I mean do you think she should probably try to arrange one-on-ones with everybody I think she should have one-on-ones, but she may start out with the, whether it's bringing pizza in or breakfast or, or taking people small group out for lunch or bringing lunch in. But everybody would, I think, agree that you need to have a one-on-one with your each member of your new team to figure out what's right, what's wrong, what they want, what they need, what they're getting they don't want. Anybody that's been in the military, I mean, it's one of the things that's most often overlooked is when there's a change in leadership, change in command, an awful lot, they don't care. They just come in and they do what they do. And when you find one that says, no, there's 485 people on the base and I'm going to meet with every one of them, it's like, holy mackerel, here's somebody that really cares. Just the fact that they're going through the exercise. So I think Jessica's probably in a really good spot. Jessica, thanks so much for your question. And anybody else listening, if you have any questions about past episodes or even something out of the blue, you just want to run by us for any one of the subjects we cover, go to the website, let us know, and we'll be more than happy to read your question on the show. And Jessica, we're going to reach back out to you because uh, we're going to send you a free t-shirt for the Summit Club for your question. For myself, for Rick, for JT and John, here's to your climb to the summit. We'll see you next time at summitclubpodcast.com. To learn more about the Summit Club podcast, please find us online at www.summitclubpodcast.com. The Summit Club podcast is recorded and produced by Inertia Marketing and Design, a full-service marketing, digital, and graphic communications agency. You can find them at www.inertia.marketing. Thanks for listening to the Summit Club podcast, and we'll see you at the top.